We Episcopalians have long known the power of music to educate. It is why, for example, our general convention must approve the texts of our hymns. Phrases we sing on some typical Sunday morning in the summer, such as, there's a wideness in God's mercy like the wideness of the sea, or one of those, Easter, those Christmas hymns that we hear at this time of year in church, love came down at Christmas, love shall be our token, love be yours and love be mine. Well, such singing has always been a way to embed deep inside us what we believe and hope. As I like to say, when we get ready to die, we are likely to sing hymns. We will not be repeating sermons. There's a method of singing that still exists in a few places in the mountains of southern Appalachia, as well as a few African-American communities. It is named Call and Response. We're accustomed to singing out of a hymnal to tunes with which we are hopefully familiar But in the world of call and response, one person sings, or as we might say, calls out a line of musical text, and then the others in the room respond by singing the same words, well, in response. It's a way to teach a song. And if the text is not theologically suspect, it's also a way to teach theology. In 17th century England, it was used as one way to teach a not-so-literate population. But call and response has even deeper roots, and we are part of that history this day. Every time a church puts its service time near its front door, and every time it sends out an email announcing the same, and every time someone in church reads a gospel, it is a call. It's an invitation to hear and see good news. It comes from this deep desire and hope on the part of the church that people will respond and lives will be changed. There's an amazingly clear call and response episode in the story of the birth of Jesus. Shepherds, those lowly keepers of the flocks in the field, hear a call that tells them that they're standing on the verge of great joy, that someone who is not an oppressor, someone who is not going to lead people into yet more warfare, has come to be among them and bring peace. Now, we might be tempted to say that the response of those shepherds is to run to the manger, but that's not quite how the story is constructed. The shepherds first hear in the field and see in the manger, and it's only later that they respond. After hearing the angels, they go to see to what this good news looks like in tangible flesh and blood form. Who is this person who's going to bring peace? It's only afterwards that their response begins. They leave the manger and go back to their jobs and repeat what the angels have proclaimed. The angelic call is glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Just as they've heard from the angels, the shepherds glorify God. When back out in their everyday world, Luke tells us that they did so, and here is a quote, as it was told unto them. Call and response. 
The call of the heavenly chorus was the promise of peace. According to Luke, the response of the earthly shepherds would be no less. If, as Luke tells us, Mary Magdalene and the other women were the first bearers of the good news, the first evangelists after the Good Friday death of Jesus, then the shepherds were the first evangelists after his birth. We come to church hoping for good news. We desperately hunger for peace, whether it be peace in a world that will stop hating and killing with small guns of rage and large bombs of aggression, or peace inside our own selves as we struggle personally. We come here in 2022 when we hear a call not to see a baby, but rather on this feast of the Incarnation to see a glimpse of what God's presence looks like now. At one level, it's love made token in holy bread and blessed wine. At another level, it is love made token in, let's say, young student or retiree or agnostic or the overly religious or the struggling or the well-off or the ill or the robust or the panhandler. Our eyes are opened to see where God shows up, where love comes down, where the token appears. After all, isn't that what those angels promised 2,000 years ago when they proclaimed God's incarnation? Peace on earth, good will. Those promises are bigger than any one baby. The variety of faces may surprise us, but once we've seen the multitude in whom God is present, my Christian confidence is that good will will have the chance to replace stony hearts and peace will have a chance to replace warfare. After all, to have been in the presence of God is to be humbled. And that's why the church calls us to this place. If there's a call, then there's a response. You see, initially, the liturgy calls us. Then as we leave this place, just like the shepherds who left the manger, we go back to our jobs and schools and neighborhoods and places where we shop and eat and proclaim that we have seen the Christ, that we have seen the token of God's love, and that token, that risen Christ, is in truth quite ordinary. And in his very ordinariness is extraordinary. The time of warfare and oppression is over. So let's start living that way. The time for peace on earth and goodwill toward all simply must become our message from this day forward. Amen.